The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. All right, what's up, guys? We are back. All you stupid sons of bitches. On the air attack, I am your pal, BC. Follow me on Twitter at BCAKTheMan. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. No, you're not stupid sons of bitches. I'm sorry. This isn't the White House. My God. I'll say this. Politics aside from, from everything, I have never seen a duo like the president and vice president who were so awful anytime there's a camera anywhere near them. My God. You know what's going on with the president, right? He's seen better days. You get the impression that there are other people making decisions around the White House. Okay, fine. The vice president is not old. I mean, she's not an old lady. She's like in her early 50s, okay? And she is so awful every time she is anywhere near a microphone or a camera. It's either her squealing because she can't come up with an answer. And these are planned interviews. Uh, There's no way she doesn't already have the questions. And she can't even just give an answer. She is awful. I mean, she gave some kind of speech on, I think it was on voting rights a couple days ago, where basically the, the general twist of everything was that if you're a straight white male, they're out to get you. That's what it is. Everybody's, everyone's vulnerable. This group is vulnerable. The women are vulnerable and the, the, the blacks are vulnerable and these minorities are vulnerable. Everyone's vulnerable. And you've noticed at the end, the only group missing were the straight white guys. That was it. So good for her. She actually got that one right. But I tell you, boy, the, the two of them are just, it's every time they're near a camera, you're just like, what's going to happen next? So. The president called Peter Ducey from Fox News and apologized and said it was nothing personal, pal, and the whole thing. So that makes me feel so much better. Um, his minions can go back to celebrating Aaron Rodgers being out of the playoffs. I, I, guys, you're making fools of yourselves. And I got into it on Twitter with what was probably a burner account of Nick Wright. Nick Wright is a guy from Fox Sports who made an absolute fool of himself. He's basically taken the place of Stephen A. Smith, who used to make a fool of himself there all the time. And basically what he wants to say is, This was the worst loss of Aaron Rodgers' career. There's nothing about that loss that you're going to pin on any one player because the conditions were brutal. And of course you wouldn't pin it on the quarterbacks because the conditions were brutal. So anybody coming at at Aaron Rodgers with this was the worst loss of his career is just a a, a know-nothing, number one, which Nick Wright, when it comes to football, 100% is. Or you're just someone who's got, you know, you're just so filled with your own wokeness that you'll just say any stupid thing for, you know, for attention. And that's what it was. And of course, when I pointed this out, I was hit with the, you know, followers, you know, no one watches your show. No one. Hey, listen. Hey, listen, Nick, just come at me. Just come at me on your own, pal. You don't have to hide behind a burner account, you fool. No one argued the point that I make. This is this happens, by the way, often guys who are on TV. Sometimes they come at me on their own like real men. Sometimes they hide behind burners and that's fine, too. But if you're going to come at me, come up with something other than, well, look how many followers I have. Well, look how many views I have. Look how many clicks. Look how many likes. Once you get a job at Fox Sports, of course, you're going to get likes. Of course, you're going to get a blue check mark. Of course you are. I've had social media managers talk to me about this. Like you don't have friends right inside the Twitter building your damn selves. Please, for the love of God. But don't say something so stupid. Well, this is the worst loss of Aaron Rodgers' career. What are you talking about? It was snowing. There was like snow sticking on the field. There are people slipping all over the place. But you know what Aaron Rodgers did? Aaron Rodgers got caught not being vaccinated. Okay, number one, or, or being unvaccinated, I should say. And he went on Joe Rogan. He went on Pat McAfee. He went everywhere that those people just can't stand. Okay, every every screaming, like bleeding, just blabbering, liberal, woke douche 
has decided that Aaron Rodgers is the worst guy in the world because he went on Joe Rogan's show, not even realizing that less than 24 hours they'd be making a mess in their pants for Josh Allen, who is also unvaccinated. They don't even know it because you know why? Because it comes back to the first part. They're know-nothings. They don't actually know football. They don't know shit about the sport. They don't know shit about the players, and that's just how it is. So vaccinated or unvaccinated, whatever. Knock yourselves out. If you're so miserable that you think you're having a better day than Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the NFL playoffs, I got to tell you something. You have you are the best customer for that brand of politics. Send more of your money. Holy shit. But if you're going to come at me as as some journalist who just says stupid shit and is called out for for and I call you out for the idiocy that it is. You know what? Actually have the balls to come at me yourselves instead of having your minions do it or hiding behind some burner account on Twitter because it's the most obvious shit in the world because you guys all use the same tactics. It, it's always the same things. Oh, look how many followers you have. Oh, look at your show. Oh, look at this. Look at me. Hey, listen, what do you, you got it. Great. You got a job for Fox, whatever. OK, Be, whatever, whatever you did to get there. Good for you. But if you can't even argue the point that you're making, you can't even support the argument you're making because it's so fucking stupid that you have to go to, well, look how many followers I have and look at you. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. First of all, Twitter's been going after my account for the last five, six years. That's obvious. Everyone knows they do that. Everybody knows they do shit like this. The only thing they haven't done is gotten rid of it, which maybe I'm better off if they did anyway because I could start over and maybe they wouldn't flag my account the way they flagged this one. But that doesn't matter. That's not even the point. The point is, why don't you support the things that come out of your own mouth or just not even respond? But no, you're going to send your little burner account after me? My God, you fool. Pathetic little worm. Give me a break. I'll tell you what. Why don't you do us a favor and maybe just don't talk football? No, you got to talk football because your politics demand that you celebrate every time Aaron Rodgers has something bad happen to him because he, made, he committed the atrocity of going on Joe Rogan's show. Good Lord. My God. Who was trying to get him tossed off Spotify? Oh, Neil Young. Neil Young trying to get Joe Rogan tossed off of Spotify. Talking about not knowing your own numbers. My God. Also lacking in self-awareness. I'm putting this out here right now. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I'm not wishing ill upon the guy. I think he's kind of an a-hole, but I think he admits he's an a-hole himself. Pete Davidson better watch himself. I'm telling you, there is no possible way Kim Kardashian is doing what she's doing with him, okay, for any other reason than attention. That's it. Now, what kind of attention? Well, obviously, the media is fawning all over this couple. It's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, she even lowered herself to have dinner in Staten Island. Whoa, boy. Look at you, Kim. You're a regular woman of the people, aren't you? Yes, you are. She's also gotten the attention of someone named Kanye West. Remember him? Yeah, the guy that she was married to, the guy she has kids with. Apparently, a few weeks ago, she had a birthday party for one of the kids, and Kanye wasn't allowed to be there, but Pete was. I am telling you, men have been chased down for less. I promise you they have. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying, listen, it, it, I'm just telling you, this is what goes on in the world. It, have you seen the ID channel? I mean, most of those stories involve couples. They really do. Now, sometimes it's a robbery or something like that, but a lot of those stories involve obsessed women or obsessed men, or maybe the two of them are obsessed, and something goes wrong, and boom, dead. Someone's dead. And Kanye apparently has a house like right across from Kim, or he's buying a house right across from Kim. Remember OJ? Remember? Do you remember how that went down? OJ used to watch Nicole Brown bring guys home left and right, and she thought it was the funniest thing in the world until it wasn't. So I'm just telling you, Pete Davidson, I don't think Kanye ever do anything to Kim, but Pete Davidson, I'm pretty sure he'd break in half. And the reason that you know that's kind of true is he's already writing songs about it. Not to mention, he's been hanging around with Antonio Brown lately. Now, I'm not sure if he's supposed to be mentoring Antonio or the other way around. I don't know who's given who advice in that, in that uh, scenario or that, that relationship there. Pete Davidson better watch his ass. There is no possible way, none, zero, no possible way that woman is attracted to that guy. None whatsoever. I know he could be funny and kind of charming here and there. So are a lot of people. 
Okay, he looks like a Swedish rodeo clown that just got out of rehab. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the, the, the irony of that is that he probably just did. Okay, it's absurd. There's no reason. Listen, everyone's different. Everyone's got their own style. He goes out of his way to look like he went shopping in a hamper. Like that's, that's the way that he absolutely just tries to be a tramp. Okay, and the funny thing is he's white. Obviously, Kanye's black. What's Kanye's big thing? Kanye's big thing is drip. It's style. It's having his own, his own brand, his own look, right? Pete Davidson basically looks like he shops out of the garbage, okay? There's no possible way Kim Kardashian is attracted to both of those men. I don't want to hear it. And if you look at her track record of guys, Reggie Bush, Chris Humphreys, every guy that she's ever with is, is the athletic type, every single one, except for this asshole. So I'm telling you, whatever's going on here, and if you haven't noticed, she doesn't exactly consider other people's feelings either. She's not really concerned about the well-being of other people. Okay, when Trump was president, she went in there and talked about, you know, human trafficking and got some people out of jail. Okay, great. Good for her. Okay, moments, moments of clarity, moments of brilliance. B. Davidson better watch his ass. Bottom line. And I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying, you know what? Sometimes when you ask for a reaction, you get it, and then you wish you didn't get it. Speaking of begging for reactions, the baseball writers have elected David Ortiz to the Hall of Fame. No A-Rod, no Barry Bonds, obviously no Pete Rose. Um, this is kind of how it is every year, guys. They vote. People argue over who should be in, who shouldn't. The bottom line is this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The same writers who are leaving Bonds and Clemens and everyone else off their ballots, Sosa, are the same guys who cashed in on them when they were playing. Now, maybe there are some younger guys who weren't around, and that's fine. That's, that's totally fair. But the reality of the situation is you're never really going to know every single person that used performance-enhancing drugs in Major League Baseball, whether it's Alex, Alex Rodriguez or, or whoever it is. You know the big names. You know the guys that got caught. So you know about A-Rod. You know it's David Ortiz. You know it's, uh, you know, you obviously know it's Bonds, and it's Clemens, and it's you know, a bunch of guys, really a bunch of guys. But you, you don't know every single one of them. So you're going to basically pick and choose who you put in the Hall of Fame based on this. What has happened with this whole process is that it's just made the Hall of Fame kind of worthless because everyone knows. I mean, look at this. You got, you got Pete Rose as your all-time hits leader. Roger Clemens won more Cy Youngs than anybody else. Barry Bonds is obviously your all-time home runs leader. And none of these guys are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Then why do you have a Hall of Fame anyway? What's the point of this? So what is the and what is the Hall of Fame supposed to do? Like I mean, is like is Barry Bonds? So he's not allowed to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, fine. But is but are like you know highlights of his career? Are they allowed in the Hall of Fame? When he hits home run number seven hundred and fifty six, is that allowed in the Hall of Fame? Is the bat allowed in the Hall of Fame? Is any mention of Roger Clemens allowed in the Hall of Fame? How about you know all time leaders? Are are those lists anywhere in the Hall of Fame? Like are they posted anywhere in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I've been there once. I was a little kid. It was a long long time ago. So I, I would have no idea, but I have no interest in going to that place. And I, I really, you know, it's not like I was dying to go to the begin with, but with all this nonsense, I don't, I have no interest in going there whatsoever because now they're picking and choosing, you know, who's in, who's out. And I, and I know they're trying to put some of the old Negro League players in there and everything and sort of balance things from the years past. Hey, listen, you want to do something like that? Great. That doesn't take away from the fact that the rest of this is a complete farce. It's just a total, total farce, whether you like it or not. A lot of guys use performance enhancers because they felt like that's what they had to do to keep up. That's just what it was. And if they wanted to be elite, if they wanted to be the cream of the crop, if they wanted to be one of the highest paid players at their position, well, guess what? They were either going to be at a disadvantage every time they came to the plate or they were going to catch up to the guys who were getting away with this stuff. And nobody seems to want to call out the league itself and the people making these decisions, the owners and their commissioner. I mean, it's just dumb. So I'm not going to get into this debate. You want to put David Ortiz into the Hall of Fame? Go ahead. 
You want to leave a select a few other guys out of the Hall of Fame? You know what? Knock yourselves out. It doesn't even matter that much anymore. But it's total hypocrisy on the part of these journalists who sat there and watched it happen and even made money off of these guys for years on end. It, it's just ridiculous. Also, it's not like steroids are the only type of drugs that were floating around Major League locker rooms. Okay, if you ever guys you ever, you ever hear a greenies, you ever hear what those are? Why don't you ask a Major League Baseball player from the 90s or 2000s what a greenie is? A greenie was basically speed, basically an amphetamine. Guys are playing 162 games, sometimes playing a day game after a night game. You need a little bit of a pick-me-up, and that was going on too. But because it's just like with the Aaron Rodgers thing, you got people who don't really know the whole situation, and they want to have an opinion anyway, and that's just what it is. There are major league clubhouses that would have two pots of coffee. One would say leaded and unleaded. Do I really have to break down what that meant? So a lot of you don't really know what was going on in major league locker rooms back then, and you don't care to know. You just want to say, oh, it tainted the game and because you're, you're obsessed with home runs and everything else. But the reality of the situation is that's fine if you want to keep certain guys out of the Hall of Fame. Understand you'll never really know every single guy that committed these, these atrocities, according to you. You just won't. Bottom line. So I, I don't get into the whole debate about who should be in or who's not in or, you know, get into this writer or this guy's ballot. Who gives a shit? The baseball writers are largely irrelevant these days anyway. I'm not interested in reading a column about how, you know, Aaron Boone is handling the Yankees locker room and all the Who cares at this point? I can see how he's handling the locker room. You know how he's handling the locker room? However, his analytics guys tell him to. That's how he's handling the locker room. That's what's going on with the Yankees. Who cares? Honestly, there's so much sports on right now. It's tough to really sit down and not to mention people aren't really buying newspapers. So anyway, you got guys who are just trying to hang on to their relevance and that's all there is to it. Take a look at John Heyman. Every time the major league trade deadline comes about, he's, I mean, it's a tweet every few seconds with him about where this guy might go, where this guy might sign, where this guy might get traded. Everything. I mean, it's just ridiculous. When Manny Machado was on the, was on the market and Bryce Harper was on the market a couple of years ago over the winter, it was like, my God, every 10 minutes he had a new theory as to where these guys might end up and what he's hearing and how it's looking and what might happen. Yeah, we know a lot of things might happen, John. You've listed like 22 teams now where these guys might go. So, of course, all of them might happen. What are you going to go say, I told you so afterwards? It's very bold of you. But he's got to act like he's got some kind of inside information. And it's just how it's just how sports journalism is these days, because otherwise no one's going to pay attention to you. because There's so many journalists because of all the all the digital stuff that's out there. So the individual guy isn't that relevant anymore. And that, that includes in baseball. Remember the Jared Porter story a couple of years ago? Remember, he was the general manager of the Mets and then he wasn't because it turns out he was a creep. Well, Mina Kimes had a story, had an interview. She had she had evidence from a woman who said Jared Porter basically harassed the shit out of her. And you know what she did? She kept it to herself. And you know why she kept it to herself? Not because she was respecting the victim. I think we all know that's horseshit at this point. It's because Jared Porter wasn't a known commodity at that point. And then when Jared Porter became the GM of the Mets, whoopsie, look what I found. And here's Mina Kimes trying to play the hero. And she was taking heat over the last couple of days. I guess she said something about Jimmy Garoppolo. She's not that far off about Jimmy Garoppolo, but don't judge Jimmy Garoppolo off that game in the snow with Aaron Rodgers just, that just happened last weekend. Mina Kimes takes a lot of heat because of this cheap behavior that she engages in. Now, it served her well. She's now an NFL insider, which is, which is hilarious. But okay, fine. No problem. On ESPN. But this is the kind of stuff that reporters do. I'll just sit on a story. I care so much about sexual harassment, and it's so traumatizing to women that I'm going to let the guy do it for another two or three years before I actually publicize it so that I can get more clout when I do. And that's just it. And that's why she takes heat. And that's what reporters do. You saw another case uh, earlier this year with Dalvin Cook accused of domestic violence. And he basically got his story out there first. 
And then Mina Kimes makes sure she posts a picture of his ex-girlfriend claiming that Dalvin Cook beat her up. And I've already covered that ridiculous story that the ex came up with. And, and eventually the truth probably will come out. But the, but the reporter in Minnesota that Mina Kimes was promoting came right back at me. Again, remember I said there's a pattern here? When I asked her, hey, did you find the two witnesses that Dalvin Cook says were inside the house at the time? Oh, well, gee, have you ever researched domestic violence? No, answer my question. Answer my question. Because otherwise, this just looks like a stunt. And stunts are what a lot of media engage in these days just to get attention for themselves. So the Baseball Hall of Fame writers, you know, and, and the voters, I should say, they, every time this time of year comes around, this is like their time to shine. But it's become like, who cares anymore? You're not going to put the steroids guys in. So that means the best players aren't in. So what does the Hall of Fame matter anyway? And some of these guys that are in the Hall of Fame lately are just kind of like, you're like, what? What is this? Yeah, every once in a while, a Ken Griffey Jr. gets in and he deserves his day. A Derek Jeter, a Mariano Rivera. Sure, they deserve their day. But when they can't be in there with the other guys they played with, then what does that really mean? And the thing is just weird. I'm sorry, but it's ju it just is. And I'm not going to sit here and engage in some crazy debate back and forth about this stuff because it's the same conversation every time and repetitiveness just happens to bore me. And that's just what it is. So congratulations to David Ortiz. Hey, he's a great player. He really was. I mean, he, was an, he was a very, very good player. If he tested positive for something one time, who gives a shit, honestly? Don't, you know what? You don't like it? Don't watch. Um, NFL stuff now. Let's get to the gambling from this past weekend. Um, let's just go in order real quick. Let's get to the games that actually took place. I thought there were coaching mishaps, shall we say, and I'm being nice. This is, this is me being nice today. I thought there were coaching blunders in every one of these games, starting with Cincinnati and uh, Tennessee. Dreadful play from each quarterback. Dreadful. I know, I know everyone wants to fall in love with Joe Burrow. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry. Hey, listen, 350 yards, 348. Uh, 348 yards of passing. Whoop, except, except, except he got sacked nine times for 68 yards. So he ends up with 280 yards of passing. At least the team does. He gets 348. Um, we were on the over in this game. I gave that out actually on the show and obviously on Twitter as well. You can follow me on Twitter at BCAK, the man. Felt like we should have gotten there, especially when the game was tied at 16. Uh, total was 47. So when they were both at 16, I said, okay, now things are picking up a little bit. Tennessee had started to pick up chunks of yardage as the third quarter went on and into the fourth quarter. You had a third down and half a yard where they decided to get creative and run some kind of misdirection play, and Ryan Tannehill is lucky to get close to the line of scrimmage. And then on fourth down, everyone knows it's going to Derrick Henry. They run it right up the middle. They can't get that yardage. That hurt us a lot right there. But what really hurt was Joe Burrow taking sacks, including a sack where he, just, he took him right out of field goal range. You cannot just stand there, okay? I said this about Kyler Murray the week before. When they are pushing you up the middle, and that's the Titans, you cannot just stand there and stare and pull this, hey, look what a cool character I am routine. And his offensive coordinator didn't do him much, you know, didn't do him too many favors either. I would have tried to move that pocket around. It's a very vulnerable Tennessee defense. Obviously, you got 350 yards out of him. But those sacks kept backing these guys up, and, and they were just absolute killers. Ryan Tannehill throws a pick on his first pass, throws two more before the day is over. He was bad. He was shaky. Both teams also had a problem with drop balls. Each quarterback had a big-time touchdown throw in the second half. I'll give him credit for that. I'll give credit where it's due. On that last drive, though, Mike Vrabel is concerned about doing one thing and one thing only, running the clock. That is literally the only thing he wanted to do on that last drive. Tennessee gets the ball back with 2 minutes and 43 seconds. Granted, the ball was at their own 16. They ran five plays in that 2.43. Cincinnati used one of their timeouts. There was, a, there was the two-minute warning. I mean, they ran one play before the two-minute warning, and that was it. All Mike Vrabel was interested in doing was making sure that Cincinnati never got the ball. 
except, uh, 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 except, except, except. It's third down and five from his own 40. He ran a play with a minute and eight seconds left, never called timeout. It's third and five from his own from his own 40-yard line with 20 seconds left. Now he decides, you know what? I'm only a couple throws away from being in field goal range. Short pass from Tannehill. Obviously, the, the Bengals don't At this point, the Bengals don't care if you run. So they're back there sitting on the pass. Ball gets tipped up in the air. There's Bengals everywhere. Interception. Boom. A couple plays later, game over. Just an awful job. That's just bad coaching. I'm sorry. The, the coaching was terrible. The quarterback play was bad. But the coaching was just not good. Okay, Niners-Packers, I think I kind of hit on a lot of this stuff when I talked about Aaron Rodgers earlier. Just a different kind of a game, uh, really. I mean, you can get on the quarterbacks all you want. If you don't understand what single-digit temperatures, wind, and then snow, and not just snow, but snow that was sticking on the ground. That wasn't supposed to happen, by the way. I checked that forecast routinely. If you don't understand what what, what impact that's going to have on a game, well, okay, guys, they, they do me a favor. Don't, don't really have an opinion until you do because it's going to affect things, I promise you. It's going to affect the blocking. It's going to affect the running. It's obviously going to affect the quarterback's ability to get the ball downfield. It just is. It's just a different kind of thing. Now, it's the same for everybody. It's not an excuse. And the Niners come out on top. But really, what made the difference in this game was a special teams blunder. And the Packers have had issues with special teams really all year. And one would have thought, if you, you caught me earlier this week on the Sharp app before the, uh, before the second round of games on Sunday, you know, this has been something that the Packers had dealt with for a while. But after that Sunday night game against the Bears, when it was kind of on full display for the entire country, you would have thought... Matt LaFleur would have said, look, we got to fix this. And lo and behold, it was a problem the next week again against the Ravens. It has been an issue with this team all year long, and now you can't even block on a punt. And that was it. And I really was kind of surprised Kyle Shanahan didn't go for two after that block punt just because the Niners really hadn't been near the end zone since Jimmy Garoppolo threw that bad interception. I think that was back at the end of the first half. So to me, this was a game that could have gone either way. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo probably threw... I don't know, three or four passes that should have been picked off. I, I actually put on Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitter at BCAK, the man. I actually posted up there. So Jimmy Garoppolo really really is determined to throw a pick six today, something like that. My buddy sends me a, a text back with a, a screenshot of my tweet. It's just surrounded by other guys who are, you know, who are into football and in, in the business of covering this kind of stuff who are seeing essentially the same thing. If those two teams played 100 times under those conditions with those performances – you know, the Packers probably win like, you know, 88, 92 of those games. But this is the one where the Niners got that one crazy free play. And that's just how it was. And I'm sorry, but that comes down to coaching. If your special teams is that deficient, it comes down to coaching. Second time, in, second time in two years, we've seen this, right? Remember last year at the end of the first half, Scotty Miller just gets behind the entire Green Bay defense. These are things that just cannot happen if you want to win a Super Bowl, bottom line. So you guys can, hey, listen, you can throw a fit, you can throw a party over Aaron Rodgers and everything else. This was not his fault. I mean, if you think that, then you're just, you know, once again, it's a test of your intelligence or your integrity or both, bottom line. Another coaching blunder, Rams-Bucks. The Rams melt down four fumbles, four fumbles for the Rams, including one at the end of the first half, basically from the shadow of the goal line. Okay, but four fumbles to let the Bucks inexplicably back into this game, including a bad one by Cam Akers late. Okay, you get the game tied if you're the Bucks, and then Todd Bowles decides he's calling a blitz. The only problem, not everyone on the Bucks defense actually knew he was blitzing. Busted coverage, Cooper Cup gets behind them, and that's it. Not sure what Tom Brady's going to do now. There's a lot of people who want to talk about this, and it just becomes sort of an annual conversation. It is, you know, it's kind of interesting, but I honestly, I don't care if he plays or not. I mean, he's going to play or he's not going to play. I'm not going to speculate one way or the other. But I will say this, he does sound like he's considering it more strongly than ever before at this point. Sounds like he might be getting a little bit of pressure at home. His interest to me is really wrapped up in this TB12 brand. 
He's doing a podcast. I mean, there's Tom Brady does not need to do a podcast. If he wants to go do something like the, like the Manning brothers are doing and do like that Monday night football kind of like parallel broadcast, okay, fine, knock yourself out. You do not need a podcast, okay? You just don't. Matt Stafford's wife does not need a podcast. They just You, you people do not need podcasts, okay? I do. You don't. So Tom Brady is going to use every resource available to him to promote himself and to promote his brands. I think now he has, a, he has a fashion line coming out now as well. Good for him. Great. Good for you. To me, him playing is like the best way for him to promote TB12. And I honestly believe that he thinks that. On the flip side, he's played a long time. Never mind how old he is. Never mind all that stuff. That's a played out conversation, right? But the fact is, every season you play, and he's only really missed that one season where he had the leg get hurt. Remember when Matt Castle cashed in on that? So you know what? He's played a lot. He doesn't like getting hit, but he has gotten hit, and the Rams got to him early and often. Okay, let me see how many times they actually got to him. Let me see if I'm just imagining things. How many times the Rams actually hit Tom Brady? I hit him six times. That's a lot for Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't get hit six times. He just doesn't. So he got hit six times, obviously got cut. He was talking like a man who basically had been hearing for a while that it's time to wrap it up because he's been taking a beating because he got kids and you got responsibilities. And they basically, Giselle, Giselle doesn't want him being some drooling, stumbling, stuttering mess around the house. And you got bigger things going on in your life and you're going to make a lot of money doing them. I'm not quite sure what he's going to do. Byron Leftwich looks like he's on his way out, going to Jacksonville. That is a great situation for him because he will get a little bit of an extra, he'll, he'll get a little bit of extra consideration because they love him down there. Okay. The, the Jags fans really like him. The owner really likes him. Everyone, everyone likes that guy. He's a breath of fresh air. It can't be worse than Urban Meyer, right? He's a he's a breath of fresh air. He gets to work with a young quarterback, obviously, number one draft pick and Trevor Lawrence. Travis Etienne will be back next year. Hopefully they can draft some wide receivers that weren't famous in 2005 in college football. My God, you know, Tavon Austin still running around over there. But anyway, nothing against Tavon Austin. But uh, a good situation for Byron Leffridge because you don't know if Tom Brady's going to be back. Now he's like, you know what? I'm going to go do my thing right now. I'm going to make my mark. This is a rebuild here. It's not like an Eric Bieniemy situation where you're like, hey, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to retire a chief. I got another decade if I want it of this guy right here, right now. Why would I want to give this up? That's not the case in Tampa because Tom Brady could be out after this year. He may, have, he may have played his last game as a buck. And if that happens, what are you doing? You're hanging your hat on Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert? No, move on. So a good job for Byron Leftwich and, uh, and a really great opportunity, I think, for him. I think the Jags got themselves a good guy. And I think, you know, even with a franchise that is up against it, I think it's not, not the worst thing in the world to bring a guy in that's kind of a favorite son of the organization. I just don't. I think that's a, a nice thing, a nice fit. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough for Byron Leftwich, but I think he's getting out of Tampa at the right time. He got his Super Bowl. You know what? There could be a lot of change there. That was the kind of loss that almost felt like the end of a run. Like, hey, you know what? We don't know who's going to be back here next year. We don't know if our big-time quarterback's going to be here next year. So I think it's the right move at the right time for Byron Leftwich. bottom line. Now, the last game of the weekend, obviously a classic, instant classic, all-timer, whatever you want to call it. We know the story by now. Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, a couple things on this game. First of all, we were on the over, uh, the team total over, excuse me, uh, for Buffalo, which it got at 27. It was out there at 26 and a half. It was kind of flickering all over the place, just like the actual line was uh, leading up to the game. I did not expect either defense to have a lot of success here. I just thought that with Kansas City as a short favorite, you get a little more value on Buffalo. It, it wasn't that I think the Buffalo defense was very good. It just the, the Chiefs defense has been on roller skates the last couple of weeks. They, I mean, they really, really have. They were not good against Denver. They were terrible against Cincinnati. I mean, they lost track of Jamar Chase, for crying out loud. How do you lose track of him? I, I know it's a nice group of receivers over there in Cincinnati, but my goodness, I just thought if you got the good Josh Allen, 
that this uh, Kansas City defense was going to be up against it. Uh, obviously, both defenses, as it got late, were very much up against it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, and it kind of it kind of piggybacks on the first thing. This idea that the Bills have the number one defense in the NFL is so ridiculous and so laughable. I mean, do you people even watch the games? Do you watch any? Have you watched the team play? Stop telling me about the number one defense in the NFL, you fools. They play half their games in horrible weather. Even the first week, it was like 70-something degrees in Buffalo against Pittsburgh, but there was wind. Two weeks later, that was September 12th. Two weeks later was September 26th against Washington. The same thing. You had a kickoff into the wind that actually blew backwards to the point that Buffalo was able to recover it because Washington couldn't catch up to the ball, and that was, and that was a ball kicked towards them. And the ball ended up running away from them in the air. And the Bills ended up basically getting a de facto onside kick and a cheap score out of it. They play in bad weather all the time. Now, I know Josh Allen's bill for it. Good for him. You know, Josh Allen probably would have done better than Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy Garoppolo in Green Bay on Saturday night. But he was playing Sunday night, and he played quite well. And like I said, you guys, you guys went nuts for him and you know, waved the pom-poms, not realizing that, oh, my God, he's unvaccinated too, as if it makes a drop of difference whatsoever. So I, I just don't get this notion that you people are screaming and yelling about the Buffalo defense, and you can't even be bothered to watch them play all year. They were wildly overrated, not to mention that they play the Jets twice a year too. That's why your stats really don't mean anything if you can't qualify them. That's just what it is. Number three, if I'm Andy Reid or if I'm the general manager, of the Chiefs. I pull Patrick Mahomes aside and say, listen, man, we love you. We don't really want to tell you what to do and, and make things uncomfortable for you. But your your girlfriend isn't spraying people with champagne anymore from a luxury box. What on earth is wrong with this chick? I mean, I, I understand what's wrong with her. She's desperate for attention. And she came, across, she came out a couple days later and said, you know, I just wish I could do what I wanted without being attacked for it. No, you're not being attacked at all. Okay, you psychopath. You're acting like a fool and people are noticing. Did you ever stop and think that maybe someone was wearing a jacket down there they didn't want champagne on? Did that ever occur to you that people didn't want to send their coats out for dry cleaning because you're a moron? You want to spray, you want to spray champagne, spray it all over yourself and your goofy new outfit. Spray it all over. I, I love it. Spray it right in Jackson Mahomes' eyes. Everyone would, would go crazy for that. That would be the greatest thing ever. But no, no, you're going to spray it on the peasants below, okay? Like you're some kind of, kind of rapper except, oh, I'm sorry, you don't actually do any work, do you? Because you really don't have any kind of talent. It's a ridiculous display. I mean, she is out of her mind. And spare me the pity party about how everyone's attacking you. That's all part of the plan, folks. That's all part of the deal. I'm going to do something asinine, and then I'm going to act like a victim a couple days later when people actually notice what I did. I know a few people like that. That's just how it is. But this is how she chooses to occupy her time. This, in her mind, is her building some sort of brand for herself as if that household needs another brand. Now, they have a brand. It's called a Super Bowl winning quarterback, okay? You're set, okay? Raise the kid and have a bunch of fun with all the money your boyfriend makes, please. Good Lord, for the, for the sake of humanity. I tell you what, if that were my home, I don't care how much of a fit she throws. You know what I would say? Hey, listen, you're not coming to games next year. Until you learn how to behave, you are not coming to games. Then again, they've been together for a long time, so my guess is that the telltale signs have been there for a while, and young Mr. Mahomes has just failed to acknowledge it. What can you do? And that's before you get to what goes on with the brother. So maybe maybe he's into it. Who knows? But honestly, the bottom line is this. You cannot have fans showing up to games and paying top dollar. Those are good seats, by the way. Those are like, you know, midfield seats. You cannot have people showing up to a game and then that clown is just going to dump champagne on them. What on earth is wrong with you? My God, does she, have a, does she have a head injury? Does she have like CTE or something? Did she used to play football and I just don't know about it? 
My God. Looking ahead this week, no picks yet. Okay, I will tell you where we're leaning, though. Cincinnati and, and, and KC, both of these teams have problems with defense. Now, Cincinnati was able to get after Ryan Tannehill a little bit. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes will not be a deer in the headlights the way Ryan Tannehill was. Cincinnati better do something about this offensive line. I'll tell you, Kansas City likes coming after the quarterback. I thought Kansas City had an advantage the first time. Obviously, uh, that did not work out that way. I was not on the game at all. I just thought if I was going to take a side in that, that first KC-Cincinnati game, it would have been Kansas City because it just sort of matched up pretty well for them. Um, Jamar Chase just went crazy. If they can find a way to contain him, get Tyron Matthew back, maybe helping out in the secondary, this will be Joe Burrow's toughest test. Not in terms of the defense that he's facing. He's obviously faced tougher defenses than the Chiefs because, let's face it, but in terms of you know going on the road, AFC Championship game, he's not played it uh, at, at Arrowhead yet. And to me, they could have lost that game to the Raiders. They could have lost that game. Probably should have lost that game to the Titans. Um, you know, good for the Bengals for pulling it out. I know it's great for the city. I know it's a city that really hasn't had a lot of winning lately, but had a pretty good year in football this year, right? You got a team into the college football playoff, and now you got a team in the AFC Championship game. I mean, the bottom line is this. Here's the reality. The Titans were able to hit Joe Burrow 13 times. 13. Nine sacks, eight tackles for loss. I mean, come on now. You know, that, that offensive line is sitting there ripe for the taking. Joe Burrow is going to have to move around in this game, get rid of the ball quickly. If he can do that, yeah, they'll probably be able to move the ball a little bit. But I would, I would look at the Chiefs. To me, I would look at the Chiefs as a teaser leg, uh, getting them getting down to minus one. I'd also take a look at the Chiefs team total over. Now it's up there. Now be careful with this. I wouldn't go above 31. But if you can get it at 30, 30 and a half, I would think they get there. The one thing to watch out for with that is that the Chiefs have a hard time stopping the run. You don't know if Zach Taylor is going to use Joe Mixon and maybe run a little bit of clock here. And the Chiefs themselves, it seems like every single game, the Chiefs have a drive that takes forever where they just dink and dunk and they can't, you can't get them off the field, but the clock's running the entire time. That obviously does not bode well for an over. I mean, if you're going to go back to the Buffalo game, everyone wants to talk about the end of the game. And, oh, my God, it's just amazing that Patrick Mahomes had 14 seconds left. And I'm like, no, not really. Not with those guys around him. All they did was throw a little dink to Tyreek Hill. And Travis Kelsey apparently told them what to do on both of those two plays because NFL Films had him mic'd up. And he goes, hey, Tyreek, what I would do is I'd go outside, come back inside, let me get in front of you and block. And that was it. And basically what they did was they just ran the same play the Cowboys ran with Dak Prescott at the end of that game, the one that they're taking so much heat for. It's the same concept. The defense is way, way, way back. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to plow forward and get as many yards as we can, basically give ourselves up and call timeout. Now, they, the Chiefs had timeouts that the Cowboys did not. And we're going to do that. And then next thing you know, all you needed was like a medium-sized pass to Kelsey on the second play. And Kelsey had yelled out to Mahomes, hey, listen, if they're playing it like this, the seam's going to be open. Mahomes yells over to Kelsey, yeah, do it, do it. Great insight from NFL Films as to what goes on on an NFL field. But this wasn't like, you know, big, explosive fireworks type of plays. OMG, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he made, he made a great throw to Kelsey. And Kelsey is a great player, ran down the field, knew when to give himself up. And bang, he got a field goal attempt. But it, sometimes the Chiefs have these drives where it's just Patrick Mahomes running around, getting a first down by just a couple yards. And, you know, if it gets down to third down, it, you know, that takes a minute and a half, two minutes off the clock, especially the way the rules are with the NFL on the clock. And I've said this before, they got to change them. But there's too much running clock in the NFL. I mean, I know they want to get the games in because they want to get more commercials in. So they want to let some time run off the clock. But you get a situation, you can have like three or four plays take like three minutes. 
So there are times when the Chiefs, especially if they get pinned deep, do take a lot of time off the clock because they're always coming at you with something creative. And Eric Bieniemy's got all these new plays, and they mix up the run in the pass, and you're trying to figure out which which to protect against. And you know they figure stuff out, but sometimes it does take them until third down. And next thing you know, the Chiefs you know use seven minutes off the clock. I mean, seven minutes is like 11, 12 percent of the entire time in an NFL football game. So by the same token, they can strike at you pretty quickly. To give you an idea, Ryan Tannehill had a really bad day against the Bengals last week, right? I mean, it's just a terrible day on Saturday, Ryan. Tannehill had four completions, four of them, of 22 or more air yards, not yardage, air yards, okay? He actually had three completions of 32 or more air yards, including a pretty good throw, not the worst coverage in the world, but a really good throw to A.J. Brown for a touchdown down the right sideline. The bottom line is the Bengals' defense can be gotten to. Chiefs did it once, and the Bengals, like I said, the Bengals relied on Jamar Chase to go up and down the field against Kansas City a few weeks ago. Kansas City could just figure out a way to contain him. Kansas City should be in business, but you should have an entertaining first game there. Game number two, well, here we go. Uh, another rematch. Uh, there are a lot of rematches in these playoffs, right? Another rematch because these guys play in the same divisions. They are actually playing for the third time this year. Niners and Rams, this is a series that Kyle Shanahan has owned. Niners won their last six against the Rams under Kyle Shanahan and obviously with Sean McVay. Coaching the Rams, the Niners covering in five out of those six. So obviously there's something there. You know, trends are only worth so much. But we are talking about the same two coaches, the same two organizations playing against each other that many times. Hey, there must be something there. Kyle Shanahan has always done a very good job in these matchups. Let's take a look at something else here, the total points, because the team total might be something interesting here. Okay, going back to those six games, the lowest, lowest point total San Francisco has put up was in October of 2019. They scored 20 points. Okay, since then they put up 34, 24, 23, 31, and then 27 in overtime, and that was in Week 18, and basically a game they had to win to get into the playoffs. So Rams and Niners will go at it one more time, matchup number three of the season. Remember something, the Rams had to fly back across the country after that down-to-the-wire win at Tampa. Their defense was on the field for 71, 7-1, 71 plays against the Bucks. If Trent Williams can play for the Niners, you have to think that they will be able to hold up once again against that L.A. pass rush. And, you know, as we've seen, Kyle Shanahan's offenses have done okay against these Rams defenses. I would take a look at the, the Niners' team total over, especially if you can get it at 21 or better. Obviously, a very key number there. Not quite sure which direction we're going with these two games yet, but again, you can follow me on Twitter at BCAKTheMan, and these will be up in plenty of time for you to get them in before kickoff. Enjoy it. One of the best sports days of the year, guys. Enjoy Championship Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week. And that is all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter at BCAK The Man. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. And remember, The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Let's close it out tonight again with Lays. Here's All Right, All Right. I'm BC The Man. I will see you guys next week on The Air Attack.
gon' drink and smoke, so roll up I know you're about that, so shout it, turn up You got money, you make them big bucks On Instagram with your big buck, huh? I like your style, I like your smile Let's get wild for a while, maybe have a child high I'm just joking, smoking something potent Cause you know that getting to the money's going potent You a boss girl, and I'm a boss too So let's do what we do and make the boss moves I got your number so I'ma call you And this is what I thought when I saw you I see you looking good girl I see you looking good girl I see you getting money girl I see you getting money girl I see you riding clean girl I see you riding clean girl Alright, 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 alright I see you looking good girl Like a queen, all about your green, every day pursue your dream. You bossed up, you laced out, cause you out here on the grind doing what they ain't proud. You ain't about no drama, ain't worry about these hoes. You laughing at these niggas, you focused on your goals. I N D E, girl, you independent. And my A305, girl, I represent it. You a hustler, I'm a hustler, thing in common. Let's get this money, I know you hear it calling. Dumb sucker haters, they fear to see us falling. They wanna see us falling, but they won't. Cause we can't laugh it straight to the bank. After that, we blowing dank, so shout it what you think. You deserve a man, a man that understands That before this love, we gotta get them grants Business before pleasure Yeah, mama, do your thing, get more cheddar Holla at your boy whenever And this the last thing I had to tell ya I see you looking good, girl I see you looking good, girl I see you getting money, girl I see you getting money, girl I see you riding clean, girl I see you riding clean, girl Alright, 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 alright I see you looking good, girl I see you looking good, girl Left it straight to the bank, to the bank. Left it straight to the bank, to the bank. Left it straight to the bank. Left it straight to the bank, to the bank. Left it straight to the bank, to the bank. I see you looking good, girl. I see you getting.